awesome God. Amen. There's no one like him. No one like him in the heavens or the earth. We can search all over. Amen. He is an awesome God. Eh? Open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And we will begin in verse 20 and our core kids are dismissed. When you got it, say so. so. And we'll read from verse 20, and it says, But Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. Father, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace and your love, God, that you have shown us in this day. For the reminder, Lord God, that there is no one who is like you in the heavens or in the earth. And so we humble our hearts before you this morning, Lord God. And we ask you today, Lord, to speak to our hearts, to give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. And we ask you, Lord, to glorify yourself, Lord, in our time together. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it. We ask you this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, just raise your hand. Want to make sure you get one. Just keep your hand up and the ushers will make sure that you get an outline. As always, we want to remind you that you can follow along in the outline, in the beginning of the outline. We can, you can follow along in the intro. Also, you can answer some questions that are inside the outline, which is important for you um, to do that. So you can reflect on and meditate on what you have heard preached. And the other thing that is so important to me is that we be a disciple-making church. And so as such, we can utilize this tool in order to help someone else grow in their faith. I doubt that you're going to remember every single word that I say, but you can remember what you write down, the things that stood out to you, and then you can help someone grow in their faith. And so if you are not helping someone grow in their faith, my challenge is always going to be the same, that you would really consider who it is that you are praying and, and who are you helping to grow in their faith, because that is our responsibility as disciple makers. Amen? Amen. All right, and one more thing here is if you are on the 365-day Bible reading challenge, we are on day 71 today. And so as such, we are in the book of Joshua. We will finish Joshua chapter 24 and then read Judges chapters 1 and 2. So if you haven't read that already, you can do that. And listen, if you're not on the Bible reading challenge, if you haven't been doing it, I want to challenge you to do it. I hope that you're in the scriptures, but you can follow along. I don't get videos out every single day anymore. I'm trying to, and, and hopefully I'll be able to get get back on that but I do try to put out a few every week just to keep you reminded of being in the scriptures but it is so so important that you are in the word of God and so if you don't have a Bible reading plan that you're following presently I want to challenge you to jump in here jump into the book of Judges with us and just continue through for the rest of the year and you will be um, you'll be blessed in your time of being in the word of God all right so let's do that together and so we are here and we are continuing in our living faith series and today we're going to talk about faith for the future that's the title of our message today and one thing I want you to realize in the first paragraph here is our culture is in dire need of our faith amen 
And it may not seem that way. It may, it may not seem like they need it because they reject Jesus. They reject the Bible. They reject the, the authority of God in so many different areas. But the reality is I want you to realize that our culture needs our faith. We have to be those type of people who are living for the glory of God because they may reject Jesus. They may reject the Bible. They may reject the need for the church or organized religion. I'm sure you've had those conversations with someone. However, they'll still there still remains a void of true hope, true life, and true purpose that can only be found through reconciliation with our great God and Savior. The reality is that they, don't, they, they may not realize what they need. They may not realize that they need your faith or my faith, but the truth is that they have, been, they, they have this void that is in their hearts, and it's never going to be filled until they experience God in a reconciling way. And so if we don't live our faith, then guess what? They're never going to experience the impact that God wants to bring into their life through us. As we live, second paragraph here, as we live our faith boldly, clearly demonstrating our faith for the future, and what I mean by this is future judgment, future victory, and future glory. Here's the thing. If you really believe in the future, right, and, and, and I, know, I, I know that, you know, this is something that we should automatically be, a people that are looking for the future, as Pastor Chad talks about. And whenever we go through communion, we talk about the looking forward. That's what this does when we do communion. It reminds us of what Jesus did for us, but it also reminds us that Jesus is going to return for us, that we're going to spend an eternity with him. We're going to share with him in a glorious time to be in his presence that's what's going to happen for us and so the truth is when we talk about living our faith I mean do you really believe in a future judgment see the parentheses there obedience when you really believe in a future judgment you walk in obedience for two reasons number one because if you are walking in sinful disobedience to God there is one thing that remains and that is a future that is going to be fiery hot and eternal because the truth is, if you are walking in rebellion against God, if you are living in sin against God, listen, I don't care what prayer you prayed. I don't care what you think about God. I don't care what you think about the Bible. If you are living in open defiance against God, the scripture said that there is one thing that remains for you, and that is judgment. You're not talking about a good thing. Hello. And the other side of it is, the other side for us that are believers that are not living in blatant sin, I walk in obedience to God's word because of what? Because I am going to be rewarded. I'm still going to be judged. It's just a different judgment. I'm going to be rewarded for my works on this earth. I'm going to be rewarded for my obedience to him and his word. And so if I believe in the future, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm also going to believe, if I believe in a future victory, that means that I have hope. Somebody say hope. That means I have a real hope that while I'm going through whatever I may be going through in this life, what I'm going through is, is only temporary. There is coming a day that I'm going to experience a future. I'm going to experience a complete and total victory over everything so I walk with a hope. And if I believe in that, then I should believe in future glory. So that means I have expectation. I don't know about you, but I love, you know, I love the times that we have in worship together. When the presence of God just enters into the building, the presence of God enters into the room, and everybody experiences God in different ways, right? Like, you know, some of us, we weep when we start to feel God's presence. Some of us may shake when we feel God's presence. You know, some feel the warmth or whatever, tingle. Your hair stand up if you have hair. Hello. Right? You know, so it, it, it just depends, right? We, we experience it. But you know what the beauty of that is? Is that's God allowing us to taste a little bit of heaven this side of eternity. So the way we long for more, you know, it's kind of like that appetizer. You know, when you walk through the mall, I know some of you are thinking about this right now. Hello. You know, you walk through the mall and they got that person that's standing out there and they have a little appetizer for you. You know why they're giving that to you, right? It's not because they want to be nice. Hello. 
It's not because they're trying to, we're just very kind here. No, no, they want you to taste that and stop and be like, yo, I want some of that. And so God is different. He's, he, he's, he wants, to, he wants to, uh, you to experience him now so that way you understand that nothing in this world compares to his presence. Nothing in this world. And so you want to be in his presence. But here's the thing, and, and, and this is why this is so important, because when we live boldly and we live clearly demonstrating our faith in the future, listen, those, those around us will begin to ask questions. And, and, and what will happen is that will lead us into deeper conversations about our faith in Jesus. Now, it says there in your outline to, to see, you know, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And this is a verse that we heard quoted last week, you know, when Brother Elijah was here. And so it's a verse that is extremely, extremely important because it tells us that we are to sanctify the Lord in our hearts. We're supposed to set Jesus apart in our hearts. Now, we are supposed to be prepared to give a defense. But listen to this. For those who ask you about the hope that you have. Now here's my question. When was the last time someone asked you about the hope that you have? Think about it. When was the last time? So, see, because we have this idea, right? We, 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 we believe, right? We, we are firm believers. You know, I, lo I, I love to discredit this quote that I'm about to make. Um, first of all, it's a terrible quote because, number one, they can't even affirm that it was quoted by the person who they said said it. Secondly, it is totally not biblical. And it is that, you know, they said some saint said that we are to preach the gospel at all times and to, and to speak when, when, when necessary. Now, that's an oxymoron because you cannot preach the gospel without words. Hello. So it's anti-biblical. It's, it's anti it doesn't work. It, it doesn't go together. And, you know, they don't even know if this person said it. But here's the thing. We firmly believe. How many of y'all believe you got to preach the gospel to preach the gospel? Hello. In other words, you got to open your mouth to speak the gospel. This is important. You can't just expect people to read your mind and be like, yes, I love Jesus and you need Jesus. No, no, no. But here's what I want you to get is that the apostle Peter this is not me. This is not so. He is saying something that is so key to conversations with people about faith. And it is what? It is that they should be asking you questions. Our lives should have a hope that this world does not have. See, when we contextualize that particular portion of Scripture, you know what we find? We find that they were going through trial. They were going through tribulation. They were going through hardship. And he's saying, listen, sanctify the Lord in your heart. That when you're going through all of this stuff, you're not what? You're not over here overwhelmed by this world situation and, and the trial you're going through, but you are overwhelmed by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then you need to be prepared to give a defense, to communicate to all of those people around you who are discouraged by the same things you're going through, and you need to be able to defend why it is you're not discouraged like they are so the people you work next to you know those people that you work next to every day on that daily grind you know those people when was the last time one of those people saw a hope in you that was beyond the workplace when was the last time that someone when 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 was the last time that one of your neighbors saw a hope in you that was beyond what was going on in the culture hello somebody when was the last time someone asked you? You know, we all, I always ask the question, when was the last time you shared your faith? I want to know when was the last time someone asked you about your faith. I want to ask you that because we want to talk about biblical evangelism, right? You know, we, we understand this. It's, it's quiet in this place today. Hello. And I haven't even got to my, I haven't even got out of there. Y'all are still reading along with me. Hello. So we only know where we're going from here. But here's the thing. I, I, I want you to feel the weight of this. That we as Christians, when we talk about having a hope in the future, when we talk about having this hope, this faith for the future, there has to be something that sets us apart from this world. 
There has to be something that they see in our lives that says, man, what, what, why do you live like that? Why do you think that way? Why don't you think this way? Why don't you talk like that? Why don't you look at things the way that I do? Has to be a difference. And for us as a church, we need to really check ourselves because if we're talking about having a faith in the future, people should be asking us some questions. The third thing here, last, last paragraph on your outline, as, di as different as these three men were from one another, and so we're going to talk about these three guys, each presented an example of faith. The ordinary Isaac, the scheming Jacob, and the exemplary Joseph showed a faith which death could not weaken or destroy. All three of these guys are different. They're, they're, they're all different in their character. They're all different in the way that they are depicted in the scriptures. And yet all three of them have something to offer us in our lives of faith as we live having faith in the future. So here's the big idea. And I've already asked this question in the, in the last paragraph. But I just want you to think about this. We must ask ourselves, are we living with a faith for the future? Are we living with a faith for the future? Am I only living for today? Am I only living for now? Because if that's it, then no, you don't. And you need to have a faith for the future because we're supposed to be people that are looking to the day of Jesus' return. Okay, so here's this. I want you to repeat this with me. Say, ordinary vessels, can exemplify, can exemplify extraordinary faith. Ordinary vessels can exemplify extraordinary faith. That's the first point in your outline there. And so Isaac is probably, look at verse 20 with me. Verse 20 says this. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And so Isaac is probably the last person anyone would think would make the hall of faith, right? I'm just saying. Like when you read through the book of Genesis, like Isaac's life doesn't stand out to you. Like I, how, when was the last time you were like telling us, hey man, I want to tell you about this guy named Isaac. Probably never, right? We hear about Abraham, the father of the faith. Like, that's the guy that we'll talk about. You know, we know, we know the stories of Jacob. But I just want you to think now, and I know y'all, you know, I know y'all been good. Like, since the beginning of the year, you've been through the book of Genesis. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm giving you that, you know, by credit. Hello. Right? Y'all know your Bibles well. Been through Genesis a couple of times. How many times, how many of you, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm just trying to make a point. How many of you ever, like, paused? Man, Isaac, that guy was amazing. Like nobody, nobody ever does that. Like nobody thinks about Isaac that way because his life is just like, okay. Like there's a few moments there that is like, wow, that was awesome because I read through it just to make sure that I got my facts right. But, you know, there's a couple of wow moments, but not enough for you to be like, you know, I want to be just like Isaac. And although that's the reality, the truth is this. Guess what? His name makes it over here. God mentions his ordinary self. Hello, somebody. He mentions this guy, and he communicates something about it. It says what? That he blesses his sons regarding the future. You know, when I think about Isaac's life, you know, I give him a pass, and you should too as well, why he might have been so ordinary. Because I think Isaac was seriously traumatized from his experience as a child. I'm just saying, like, you know, you might have been beat up a couple times as a child. I mean, I know I was beat a few times. Hello, somebody. And my mom is sitting here today. By the way, it's her birthday. Can we say happy birthday? Amen, amen, yeah. I was going to make him sing happy birthday, but it's in the middle of the sermon, so we can't stop right now. But here's the thing. <laughs> but, you, you know, you might, you might have been beaten, right? You know, I mean, you, you, might, you might have experienced some stuff. But none of you walked up a mountain with your dad and was tied up by your dad and was laid on an altar by your dad and had a knife coming down by your dad to see your dad stop and be like, what was going on? I'm just saying, like, none of us have that experience, right? I mean, and listen, I'm not trying to delegitimize anybody's experience as a child. I know some of us went through some abuse. It was more than a beating. I get it. You know, I experienced some stuff like that. But here's the thing. 
what I want you to understand is, I, w- I want you to get this. I can understand why his life was kind of ordinary. Like, okay, God, I'm, God just left the guy alone. He's like, I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> like, like, you went through enough when you were 14 or however old he was. He's like, that was enough. We're, we're, we're going to leave you alone. And so, ultimately, this guy lives his life, though. And he lives an ordinary life, and yet he makes it. His name is mentioned in this hall of faith. You know what Isaac shows us? Let me tell you what Isaac shows us. Isaac shows us all the importance of faith in God in the everyday grind. That's what he shows us. He shows us the importance of living by faith every day, going to your mundane nine to five, right? Like, man, I hate my job. But living by faith and that job you hate that you were praising God for a while ago. You remember that job? Yeah, but anyway. You were like, yes, I got this. You were, you were, you were, anyway, PTLing. You were PTLing everywhere. Like, I got to just give a praise report. The Lord done hooked me up. I'm leaving to, you know, whatever you, whatever you went through. And then all of a sudden, now you're like, man, God, you got to get me out of Egypt. Hello. <laughs> Take me to the promised land. But the, 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 re, the reality is this, is that when we look at his life, we see the everyday grind. If you will just be faithful, he shows us that our lives can be ordinary by man's standards and even by our own, yet our faith can be extraordinary by God's standards. That's what he shows us. He shows us that our, our life may seem insignificant to other people, but to God be extremely significant. Why is that? It's because he was thinking about the next generation. That's what made his life so significant. Because he, despite what he went through, he believed the promise that his dad told him about. You know, he believed the promise. You know what? We're, 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 we have a promise from God in our family. And I got to bless my children so that way he can. That's what he was. That's what his heart was. And so listen, dad's in the place. I want you to know you are so vital to your families. Are you here? The men is that, listen, I always want my men to know, man, you are important to your family. Listen, wives, moms, you are important to your family too. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. I, I'm never trying to, I want you to know when I, when, when I call out the guys, it is not because I'm trying to discredit a woman. Never, ever, ever is my intention. I just need the men to know in this house that you are important. I need you to know that you are vital, that your blessing matters, that you're not just the authoritarian, wait till daddy gets home. That's not just you. Hello, somebody. That you're not just a big, deep voice, you know, unless a pastor out here have a real deep voice. But anyway, you know, he's, you know, he's working on it. He's working, he's working on it. But, but nonetheless, you know, you know, I, I, and you know I'm only joking with him because he jokes on, on himself all the time. But, you know, ultimately, you're not, you're not just that. You are a vessel of blessing to your household. Understand, you're not just a breadwinner. You're not just a guy that's supposed to go out and, you know, never be at home, you know, because you're so busy, you know, running after something. No, hold on a second. You're vital to your homes. And we need to realize that because this guy's life was extraordinary. His faith was extraordinary because he was able to bless the next generation. I want to tell you about this guy thinking about living an ordinary life. His name was Dr. William Leslie. And he, he, he was a, 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 a medical missionary in 1912 to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He was there for 17 years, and 1912 was when he was there, and 17 years. And he went there because he wanted to minister to the, to the tribes that were out there that hadn't heard the gospel. He was there for 17 years. 17 years he was there preaching. He was there ministering. He was there doing stuff. He came home, 84 years old. He was discouraged. Because he felt like, man, I was a failure. He was like, I, I, didn't, I did not, you know, accomplish anything. And by the way, I found this on Facebook this morning. Hello. As I was doing research to preach, that's not the reason I went on Facebook. But nonetheless, I went on there and I saw my friend had this post. 84-year-old guy dies. And, or, you know, he, he died. I'm sorry. It was 84 years later. And they found out that he wasn't a failure. He died as a missionary. What happened was, 
84 years later, 2010, these guys went out there with the same idea. We got to go preach the gospel to these people in these tribes. So they fly over there. They, you know, they get on another plane that took them like two hours. And then from there, they had to cross over this, um, this, this like half a mile long ocean, you know, not, not ocean, but, um, you know, lake area. And then they had to hike for another 10 miles to get to where these tribes that hadn't heard the gospel. When they get there, they find churches that are multiplying over there. They find, they, they find choirs. They find these people that are preaching. Mind you, they don't even have Bibles that are translated into their language, so they have to have people that are preaching that know French. And what happened was when they did some research, they found out that what happened was this missionary that was there 84 years ago, he used to go out there, and what he would do is he would preach to the children. And he would just share the gospel with the kids, and he would preach to these kids. And they didn't even know the guy's name. When they tried to do research, they're like, well, where did you guys hear the gospel? They're like, I don't know, the Baptist. <laughs> Amen for the Baptist. Amen. <laughs> when they did more research, they found out that this guy, Dr. Dr. Leslie, he was part of the American Baptist Association, and he went under their covering those 84 years ago. Why do I share this story? Because he thought he was just living an ordinary life and that he had failed. And what I want you to know is that his heart was for what? That next generation. And guess what? Because he was faithful, God used it. 84 years, 84 years later, they found out, oh, those people know the gospel. Not just know the gospel, they're multiplying as churches over there. So keep living that ordinary life and be faithful. Amen? Amen. Second thing, repeat this after me. Shady characters can possess extraordinary faith. Shady characters can possess extraordinary faith. You guys are just like first service. Y'all think that's so funny. I'm just like, I don't even. But check it out. Look at verse 21. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning on the top of his staff. And so we see this guy by the name of Jacob, and while Isaac was ordinary, even seemingly cowardly at moments, I say that because there was one time when you read the story of his life that he was, you know, told his wife, he was like, hey, tell them that you're my sister, right? Remember Abraham did that too? I don't know why these guys are like that. Our wives would beat us today. Hello. Be like, I'm your, I'm your wife. You better fight for me or die fighting for me. Hello. Like, glory to God, right? Like, amen. Oh, man, I would hate to be in their position. But anyway, all, nonetheless... Jacob was a different guy. This guy from the beginning, I mean, he was a deceiver. That's what his name meant, right? Supplanter. I mean, from the beginning. This guy sticks his arm out, yanks his brother's ankle like, you get back in here, bro. I'm taking your place. I mean, that's how this guy was. He had, I mean, he had a prophetic word over his life for sure, but he didn't know that in the womb. Hello. Right? At least anyway. We'll talk about that in another sermon. But the point is, he was, I mean, he was a deceitful guy. You know, he was deceitful. He did things that, that I mean, were not right. This is not the guy, like, you want doing your books. Hello, somebody, right? Like, I mean, you don't want this guy messing with your finances. He was that guy. But what I want you to realize is that this was a guy that God utilized to do what? To bring forth the lineage of Jesus. Are you here? That's who God chose. A shady character can have this type of faith. And what I want you to realize is Jacob did what? Jacob blessed. And what the scripture says, he blessed his grandchildren, worshiping God for the opportunity to bless them. Remember, I want you to think about this. Jacob thought Joseph, the guy we're going to talk about next, he thought Joseph was dead. He never thought he was going to see Joseph, much less see Joseph's sons. He never thought he was going to see that. So when it says that he worshiped, this guy was overwhelmed by the reality that God preserved his son's life so he could be a blessing. Again, what is he doing? Blessing the next generation. 
This is what his heart was. This is what he wanted to do. And so God uses him. Is what, I, what, what, what I want you to realize here is God can and he is willing to use anyone who is willing to recognize their sin and repentance and faith in him. God offers us grace in order for us to live holy lives that possess an extraordinary faith that impacts those around us and those who are coming up after us. I want you to get this. I was reading, you know, I, I read a definition on someone's, on, on someone's website. You know, I was reading their beliefs, and, 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 and they were talking about sin and what sin was. And they said that sin was a, a wrong attitude is what it said, something to that effect. And as I read that, I was like, no, sin is a condition. Hello. It's not just an attitude that you need to change, right? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. That's a, that, well, what that is is one of two things. Either someone didn't really read what they were saying, or someone doesn't really understand what their Bible says about sin. The Bible says we are born into sin. Are you here? The Bible says that we are sinful by nature. That's what the scripture said. That's the, that's the bad news of the gospel, right? We were born into sin. We don't have a bad attitude about something. We have a condition. There is an issue. There, there is a sinful nature that we are battling, that we are fighting against. That's what we struggle with. That's the reason why Jesus has to die. Because that sinful nature, it, listen to me, it's not a bad attitude that sends people to hell. Are you here? But you got a bad attitude, so you're going to hell. I'm just saying, like, that's so stupid. I, that doesn't even make any kind Anyway, I'm going to just leave that alone. But here's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's ridiculous. It is sin that sends people to hell. It is a rebellion against God that sends people to hell. And the only solution for that is what we preach, the good news of the gospel, which is what? Is that Jesus came and died. For what? For sinners like you and I. He came and he died in our place so that way we could deal with not a bad attitude. Hello, somebody. He's obviously going to deal with our attitude, but he has to deal with our nature before he deals with our attitude. And so we have to understand this. If we are going to be that shady, because you might be in here and you might be that ordinary person, but you know what? You might be in here today and you're that shady person. Hello. I'm just saying, like, when I say that, I don't want to look at anyone because I don't want you to think I'm trying to say you're shady. But anyway, you might be that shady person. I'm just saying, right? You may be that person that is shady. And I don't want you to walk around thinking, well, hey, man, God used Jacob so he could use me. There was some repentance in Jacob's life. There was some change in Jacob's life. Jacob saw some things, and he turned from some sin. He had some wrestling encounters with God and walked away limping. I'm just saying, like, like there were some things that he experienced that changed him. And if we are not willing to deal with our sin, then we can't expect to have this extraordinary faith. The third thing that I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, exemplary witnesses must persevere in extraordinary faith. Look at verse 22. It says, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. And so when this guy dies, as he's dying, as he's getting ready to breathe his last, he communicates to the children of Israel and he tells them, Listen, do not leave my bones here in Egypt. When you guys go into the land that God has promised, when you guys go back to the place that God set for you, I want you to carry my bones. I don't want to be buried and stay in this place. This is not the promised land. I want to be buried where God promised us. He reminds the people that are there. What he tells them is this. Listen, they were in the land of Egypt. They were just starting to live there because remember the story goes there was this famine that occurred which brought Jacob and his sons into Egypt for what? For provisions. And because of that, they ended up living in Egypt. And when you read the story, it says what? They began to grow and they began to multiply in Egypt. And so you know what that means? That means, man, things are looking good. Hello. It looked like a, they, they, they were PTLing and they never stopped. Hello, somebody. Right? Well, there was a point that they did stop PTLing once the slavery got hardcore on them. But here's the thing. 
They were at a point where they were in a place where they had received everything. And so Joseph is reminding them, listen, when you guys leave, I'm not, I'm not happy being here. This is what he said. And so Joseph's life, he's an example. I mean, would y'all say that, right? Like y'all know Joseph's story, right? This guy was, this guy had favor with his dad. That cost him. Hello. Right? He had favor with his father. His father gives him a coat. I'm like, Joseph should have left the coat in the closet. Hello. <laughs> Been like, Pop, I appreciate that, but I'm not wearing that till I get married and I am gone. Hello. Instead, he brings, he's wearing his coat around his brother's brother. Like, oh, we got stuff for you in your coat. Hello. <laughs> Hating on him. Haters going to hate, right? Yeah. So anyway, he has favor with his dad. Then he gets sold into slavery. He, gets, he goes to Potiphar's house. When he's in Potiphar's house, what happens there? He has favor with Potiphar. The guy is locked up in Potiphar's house. He's there as the chief slave over everyone in the house. All of a sudden, his wife gets Google eyes for him. So now Joseph's in a situation, well, I already got favor with him, and so now I got favor with her, like, do I? And what does he do? He's like, get away from me. Get behind me, Satan. That's what he said. Fellas, say that. Get behind me, Satan. When she comes, just get behind me, Satan. Amen. Ladies, you should have been, like, screaming and shouting right there. That's, that was your praise moment. But ultimately, what we have here is we have a guy that he is an example. There's nowhere in his life, you read through the whole thing that is recorded on his life, and you never see him sin. He doesn't sin against God, he doesn't sin against anyone. There's nowhere that you see him in some open defiance against the Lord. Now, that doesn't make him perfect, that just makes him an example. Are you here? There's a difference. God is not looking for perfect people because if he was, he would stop searching a long time ago. He is looking for people that will be an example. And so Joseph is an example. And the reason why I say that is because we are called to have exemplary faith. We are called to be examples under this world. I said it earlier that the world is in dire need of our faith. This is very important for us to understand. And so what we have here is we have this guy. He's an example for us. And Joseph speaks of the future in faith again, showing us what? His trust is in the one who promised and that he never found a home in Egypt. That's what this says. His trust was in the Almighty God. And he was telling the people, listen, your trust needs to be in God, not in Egypt. Your trust needs to be in the God of heaven, not in the gods that you're going to learn about while you're here. Your trust needs to be in the Almighty. And, his, and, and, and the thing that we see here is that his soul longed for God's promised land, even amidst the greatest comforts the world he lived in. Can I tell you something? Listen to this. We all know that he went through trials. We all know that he went through temptation. But you know what we never look at? We never look at how Joseph overcame being in the best place he, you, you think he could ever been. Are you here? Because it's one thing to say, oh, man, he overcame that trial. Yeah, he overcame that temptation. That was awesome. But you want to know what the greatest temptation of all was going to be for him? For him to be the second in command in the place of Egypt. And for him to be like, man, I've arrived. I found my place. I'm no longer living for that promised land. I'm no longer living for, you know, the, the thing that God, he was still living for that place. That is the reason why he tells them, because his soul was longing for the land that God promised him. And see, for us, it's the same thing. The same way that he overcame trial, the same way that he overcame temptation, and the same way that he overcame the comforts that he was sitting in, and he was able to be an example for us, is the same thing that God calls all of us to be examples to. See, we must live. Here's the thing, church. We must live with an eternal focus. If we do not, listen to me, we will fail to persevere and potentially negatively influence and affect those around us and the generations coming up after us. Are you here? If we are not living for eternity, if we are not living with that faith in the future, you know what it causes us to do? It causes us to act different. I want you to understand, every action that you take has a consequence. 
It's influencing someone's life for the good or for the bad. It's either pointing someone more toward Jesus or pushing them further away. This is a reality that you and I have to understand. We have to hold dear in our hearts the truth that, listen, the way that you live, everything that you do has to have eternal weight in it. And listen, I, I don't live my life for myself. And, I, and listen, I am by far perfect. I'm not saying that. But when I make decisions, I think about the consequence of those decisions. I think about how those decisions are going to affect my family. I think about how those decisions are going to affect you. I think about how those decisions are going to affect those that I'm around that see my life. I look at my life not just through me and what I want and what I feel good about. I look at my life on how is it influencing those that I'm around. How is it influencing those? Is it presenting a hope in a future? Is it living a life that's just the norm, just like, oh, whatever? Listen. We need to be living above this. We need to be living for the future. We need to be living for the glory of God. And so here's my closing questions for you. I have two of them here. Do you genuinely have faith in God for the future? That's the first question there. Do you genuinely have faith in God for the future? For real. I mean, is, is, is it there? Like, is that something that, that, that is genuinely there? And here's the other thing that I want to ask you because you're going to say yes. Like, you're sitting there, and I promise you, 90% of you in this room are saying yes, I have faith in God for the future. But here's my second question to, answer that, to help you answer that first one. First one, does your life show this faith? And you want to know how you can answer that question? I'm going to tell you how you can answer that question. How many people are asking you about your faith? So here's the deal. You can tell me all day long, oh, I have faith in God for the future. Amen. You have faith in God, you're going to heaven. That's what you're telling me. That's good. But how is that faith affecting people around you? Listen, if 1 Peter chapter 3 isn't happening in our lives, we need to check ourselves. And I didn't say you need to check yourself. I said we need to check ourselves. I'm part of that. We need to check ourselves. Are we really living with a faith in the future? Are we so consumed by the things of this world, the, the, the things of this life, that all people see is just our maybe faith for the present moment? Not a faith that's beyond this place. Not a faith that goes beyond. Because you know what? We, we talk a lot about having faith for our trials and our tribulations here, but that's not just what Peter was talking about. So that's the question. Do you really have faith in God for the future? First of all, if you don't, maybe if you were that 10% or that person here that said, man, I really don't have faith in God for the future. The beauty is that Jesus died so you can have faith in him. Jesus died so you could put your faith and your trust in him and you could have that faith for the future he died. And so if you don't know him today, put your faith in him today. Trust him today. Trust him with your life. And if you are a believer and you say, man, I, I do have faith, but nobody's questioning me about my faith. I need to repent of that. Listen, I hope that you'll be honest and that you will repent and you will call upon the Lord and say, God, help me to live as a person who has a hope that other people see and question. Amen? Stand up and let's pray together. Father, we do come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we humble ourselves before you, God. We submit all that we are to you, God. We submit our thoughts. And we bow ourselves before you today, Lord, praying for your kingdom to come and praying for your will to be done, Lord God, in our hearts. Father, today, Lord, I pray for everyone in this building, myself included, Lord, I just ask you that you would help us to live a life that has a hope that is beyond this place, to live a life that has a hope that is greater, Lord God, than any other hope that we have in this life. 
Father, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but you have come to give us life and give us life abundantly. And that life, Lord God, is not in, 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 the, in the accumulation of things in this earth. That life, Lord God, is in the abundance of knowing you, experiencing you, and being able to share you, Lord God. So today, Lord, I pray that we would be a people who really demonstrate a faith for the future. Help us, God. And Father, if there's anyone in this building that does not know you, you know them. And I pray that you would draw their hearts to you right now in Jesus' name. I pray that they would repent of their sin. I pray that they would trust you. That they would put their faith and they would put their hope. That they would surrender their lives unto you completely and totally, Father. I pray your kingdom come and I pray your will be done in them. In Jesus' great name, everyone said. Come on, give God a hand of praise.